0: Situation remains so dire in regions of Turkey and Syria, where that massive earthquake, a 7.8 magnitude, hit a couple of weeks ago. The death toll right now is about 44,000, continues to climb too. Tens of thousands more people have been left homeless. And even as that has been going on, the earthquakes are still happening. Yesterday on the Jazz Joe show they were talking to somebody in the area about what has been happening. And as they were having their conversation, the 6.4 magnitude earthquake struck. Have a listen.
1: But some of them, when the government come and they um, see the building that it's need to evacuate, oh my God, it's happened. Yeah, one Is it happening right now? Yeah, yeah i just... Okay, well, I want you to be safe. Do you wanna? Do you want to? Uh, no, no, it's all good. I'm talking through the like I'm on my phone. On your phone, phone. okay. So we'll stay with us then. Are you in the middle Stop. of it right now? Stop. Yeah, it just it, it's happening for a few seconds, but because yeah, we you can hear the the things are moving and shaking.
0: How incredibly nerve wracking is that? And so we thought these were two very large quakes a couple of weeks apart, seven point eight, six point four, and these aftershocks are all in the range of five. Is this how it works when there is a major earthquake? Joining us now is Dr. John Cassidy, a senior research scientist with Natural Resources Canada. Dr. Cassidy, thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thank you. Good morning.
0: Can you give us an idea of when we do have a large earthquake, for instance, like the 7.8 magnitude from a couple of weeks ago, is it quite normal then to have these very large aftershocks?
1: Uh, it really is Um, when when for these really large earthquakes in the magnitude 7.88 range or larger um, there are three things that happen one is that the area that's impacted the fault that has broken during these huge earthquakes is hundreds of kilometers long so you have a very large area that's been impacted and that entire area uh, is susceptible to aftershocks and the larger um, an earthquake is the larger the aftershocks are in general And the longer the aftershocks will continue for. So for small earthquakes, little magnitude fours or fives, you might see aftershocks over a day or so. But when you're looking at a magnitude 7.8 earthquake, uh, aftershocks can continue for many months, sadly, because they really are uh, very, very frightening and they can cause additional damage as well.
0: What do we classify as a large earthquake then?
1: Uh, well, typically uh, larger than about a magnitude seven, but it's uh, you know it's really a combination of magnitude and distance. So a, a six a six point three aftershock like the one yesterday, um, if you're very close to that earthquake, uh, there's strong ground shaking. That's a major earthquake. Christchurch, New Zealand was a good example. A six point three earthquake directly beneath a city uh, is a very damaging earthquake and a very frightening earthquake. Um, But as you get up into the magnitude 7 range, then the rupture zone, the the region of very strong shaking becomes much larger and the potential for much more damage um, in large part because of the area that's covered.
0: So we say we call them aftershocks, right? But how do we differentiate between them in terms of how they feel versus an earthquake?
1: Yeah, that, uh, that's a good question. The uh, an aftershock uh, by definition is always smaller than the main earthquake. So anything in that region um of the fault that broke during the 7.8 earthquake, anything any earthquakes smaller in that region are aftershocks. So if um so if if, if um so the Shaking depends, again, on the distance and magnitude. So an aftershock could be smaller, but if it's closer to you, uh, the shaking could be stronger than from the main earthquake. And uh, you know, f- for those who have been through a very large earthquake, which is very frightening, then to experience aftershocks that continue for days and weeks and months is, is, is really a terrifying ordeal even though the even if the shaking is is weaker it, it just is a very frightening experience
0: and it would feel the same to us right if you're experiencing an aftershock to you it's an earthquake
1: absolutely absolutely i was in chile after the 8.8 earthquake and and uh, we were feeling aftershocks continuously for the first the first weeks and and it was just so frightening and and um i remember coming home and and being in a grocery store and a hand fell off of a shelf and it it just triggered all of those yeah. memories again. It's just very, very frightening experience.
0: And so what is the geologic process that is happening there? Is that after a huge rupture, like the initial earthquake then, is that the earth kind of settling back down? Is that the plate settling back down?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. It's um, When you have an earthquake, you, you have movement along a fault zone. So you have um, plates that have been uh, locked to in place, locked together, stuck, uh, storing energy for decades or sometimes for hundreds of years, as, as was the case here. Um, and when they move, and it's a big movement, it's in some cases three or four or five meters uh, of slip. Um, some areas have released energy, but some areas where, where the fault didn't slip, um, the energy is, there's added energy, there's added stress. And so those regions with increased stress are more likely to experience aftershocks uh, in the coming days and weeks and months. So really it's, it's sort of um, uh, an adjustment to this new situation when the plates move and everything is trying to ad- adapt to this new, this new reality. And so aftershocks tend to occur in certain areas. We can actually estimate where the stress has increased and where the stress has decreased we're seeing in Turkey is is a very good fit to that um, those calculations that where most of the large aftershocks are is where the stress increased from the movement associated with those big earthquakes um, a week or so ago
0: right so is that kind of work that you're doing then does that hopefully work towards being able to better predict where this will happen
1: Yeah, to better understand, um, (laughs) we we can't predict earthquakes or even aftershocks, but we can say these regions are more susceptible, more likely to experience aftershocks. Um, Back in 2012, we had a 7.8 earthquake off of Haida Gwaii. It was off beneath the Pacific Ocean. Um, And that's exactly what we found in Haida Gwaii, that there were thousands of aftershocks. They continued for many months after that earthquake. And the largest aftershocks all fell within the regions where we had estimated increased stress from the main earthquake. So it, it does give us a good idea of which areas are more susceptible um, to to aftershocks or to future earthquakes.
0: So what do you look for then, Dr. Cassidy? When you hear about this devastating situation in Turkey and Syria, do you immediately have questions that you feel need to be answered?
1: Uh, it's really important to learn from all of these all of these events, and um, so that we can be better prepared. We know that you know th- there'll be more earthquakes like that around the world, and so it really is important to understand what controls ground shaking. Um, how can we identify faults that are more likely to break, and uh, and what's the history? So you know, even this this event, which is a relatively rare event in that part of Turkey. Um, looking at the impacts from it can help us look at back in time and see what's happened over thousands of years so that you have a better estimate of of how often do these earthquakes occur and where and how, especially how did the ground shake, which is the information that engineers need when they're designing structures and bridges and and buildings.
0: And hopefully stronger, right, to withstand something like that.
1: Absolutely. So building codes around the world uh, are increasing and improving, um, so as we learn from these earthquakes, whether they're in Chile or Japan or Turkey or, um, or here in Canada, our building codes are constantly being improved as we learn from these earthquakes and we apply different data sets that we have now and, and better data.
0: Well, Dr. Cassidy, thank you for explaining it to us.
1: Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you.
0: So interesting. That's Dr. John Cassidy, Senior Research Scientist with Natural Resources Canada, talking about the science behind earthquakes and aftershocks. Earthquakes, yes, they're the same, uh, but there's a reason for why they happen.